Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into a fascinating conversation. Uh, I would say it's a continuation uh, of a conversation that we actually began a couple of weeks ago. Uh, those that uh, follow and uh, follow the platform and some of the conversations that we have will know that a couple of weeks ago, we had um, Teto Nyati uh, on the platform platform and uh, he's recently taken over as executive chairman of BSG um, having invested in that business and we were chatting to him about you know the vision you know for the future of that business uh, but for today you know we managed uh, you know to get uh, to get some time with the founder of BSG um, which is a uh, I don't I I'm just going to use the word boutique for now because he he will correct me uh, but I'm going to call it a, a a boutique consulting firm um you know specializing in IT um uh, that's based um, here in Johannesburg and I know that also Cape Town and then uh, they've actually been around for about 25 years now and we're going to get the story of where um you know things have come from so I think this will be a nice way for us to get some context of where uh, the business has come from because um, Teto has laid the foundation uh, of where they want to go. And also just getting a sense of uh, one of the most interesting things uh, that uh, was said in that previous session was the fact that um, B, uh, that uh, BSG tends to uh, punch above its weight. So, right, so we're going to try to understand how it is that they are able to punch uh, above their weight and how uh, they've gone about um, finding keeping and uh, you know attracting some of the best talent you know in a very competitive uh, market right now so um, very you know very excited uh, to have uh, Greg uh, Greg race who is uh, the founder of BSG Greg greetings to you today Hey, Matiwa. Wow. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Uh, the uh, the second uh, part of the story, I guess. And yeah, yeah very, very cool to uh, be able to join you. And uh, it's, it's wonderful. Thank you for having us uh, today on Business Live. Now, just to get a baseline, right? Uh, just now I described it as a uh, as a boutique consulting firm, right? Uh, I'm standing here open for correction in terms of that interpretation, uh, because as the founder, you know, how do you describe, um, you know, BSG? You know, do you do you uh, do you look at it within the same realms as, you know, an SAP and Accenture, you know, or do you see it as having, you know, charted its own path? How do you, you know, when, because I'm pretty sure, you know, you have the typical conversation. Oh, so what do you do? Or, you know, tell us a little bit, you know, what's that elevator pitch? How do you describe uh, this business that you've built over the last 25 years? Thanks, Madeira. I think it's a great question. And I'm pleased we have good time to talk about it because, <laughs> you know, like, like all good things, we want to, you know, to spend some time unraveling and, and understanding. So if you asked that question of me uh, 25 years ago and you asked the question of me today, I would have the same answer. Uh, different different narratives, but certainly today there's no doubt that uh, we see ourselves as an absolutely ideal uh, alternative, uh, local homegrown alternative to the large consulting companies, uh, and I'll and we can talk about that a little bit more as we go. When we started, though, we absolutely set up our stall to be the challenger brand for the same global consultancies that that I've just mentioned, and. And I guess like anything, you know, there's two things. One is you've really got to have the prescience to look down the road into the future and, and understand, you know, what the potential is and, and believe in that. And secondly, be realistic about how you're going to get there. So it's a combination of those those two things. But certainly when we set up you know, a little more than 25 years ago now, actually, in fact, it's almost 26 uh, in the early part of 2023. But in January 1997, you know, once our company had been formed and and we actually kicked off, there was no doubt that we set up our stall to be the challenger brand. Uh, and, uh, and let me explain it a little bit more. I had the, I guess, and I and I really am I was so aware of this as as our country has moved forward with the, mo the important political change that has taken place. 
But I've become so conscious more and more all the time about the unearned privilege that I had as a white person growing up in South Africa. And and it, and it troubled me uh, to quite a great extent, uh, you know, through university, you know, where I was fortunate to study at the University of Cape Town. There was never a, a kind of a, anything in my mind that wasn't anything about being able to find a job, et cetera, et cetera. But yet the political situation did trouble me. So I decided that I wanted to go and find out more about the world. And I left left South Africa at the end, end of the 80s uh, with a degree in computer science and a degree in electrical engineering. And I went to go and, and, and see the world. I wanted to get a different perspective on things because of the narrow perspective that we'd grown up you know, in our country. And through that process, I was really, really fortunate to, to learn a lot. Uh, and one of the most important lessons that I learned was the, the perspective of service. Uh, you know, you don't need to be a big company in order to work and service big companies. What you needed were a couple of traits, which I think are fundamental. And, the, and all of those, the most important that I saw was if you say you're going to do something, just do it so that you you know that your clients can always rely on you. No matter what's happening up the value chain, if you're being let down in whatever way, you make sure you never let your client down. And then through the 90s, I did come back to South Africa at various points in time. And I, and I thought to myself, when I do come back here, because I was always going to come back to South Africa, there was no doubt. I was using it as a learning opportunity. But as you know, when you hear tribal music and you see, you know, visions uh, or not visions, but film or photography of the bush and the sounds, there's no way you, as an African you can get that out of your soul, right? It, you have to come back to the motherland. But I wanted to come back, you know, with 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 growth, so that I could actually be in a position to do something really special. And so through the process in 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 Europe, where I learned a lot. I and coming back to South Africa, there were a few things that I noticed in South Africa that were missing. One being the fact that you would really struggle to find a local company, a South African company that was independent of product. What I mean by that is, is that there were companies in South Africa that had been really successful, but they either through luck or good wisdom and choice had built their business around selling product. The only businesses in South Africa that I could see were the large global consulting companies that were offering pure services. So in coming back to South Africa, which was in 96, um, and the good thing about also going away is I met my wife uh, in, in Europe. So so that was another another big important factor. And, and she's been unbelievable and such a rock, uh, you know, for me, you know, throughout uh, the decades that we've been together. But coming back to South Africa and the name BSG uh, was actually, uh, to cut a long story short, was from a, a UK-based company who, who I'd had interactions with. In fact, uh, they, they took over the business that, uh, that I founded uh, overseas and they wanted to be part of the action in coming, back to, in coming back to Africa. And so we inherited the name Business Systems Group from from that from that legacy they're no longer around anymore we you know we are they are the only bsg uh you know uh, that that exists in this in this field and so when we set up in south africa we had a really good head start because we were able to use a lot of processes and systems and marketing material etc uh, but we were going to do things differently to what they were doing uh, and what we wanted to do was be that independent of technology service provider right from the beginning and be the first company to actually challenge the global consulting businesses uh, in terms of the services that they offered. So I wanted to give you that. Um, Greg, I yeah. just want to, yeah. you know, very quickly, not 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 to interject really, but um, for, for, I guess, the benefit of someone who might be listening to this because I understand you and I can probably, you know, geek <laughs> out and get into the weeds with some of the jargon. But yeah. um, when I when you say independent of product, um, we are saying, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that um, a lot of the times uh, businesses tend to get into IT, you know, as vendors or, you know, exactly. su you know, suppliers of some sort of, you know, one of the exactly. bigger, you know, companies. But you guys are saying, no, we didn't want to enter the market in that way. 
Exactly. So what we wanted yeah. to do, okay. what okay. we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure, and let me, use, I'll, I'll give you some of the stories and the terminology that we use at the time. So we would say to clients, we want to sit on the same side of the negotiating table t- with you, i.e. we want to be with you independently assessing what the best technology would be for you. Not because we're trying to create, give you a solution to create a problem. What we want to do is understand, (laughs) we want to understand what your real challenges and problems are so we can help you to fix them and then select with you independently the best fit. And that was like a breath of fresh air, right? Because, you know, we could then, and I love the David and Goliath syndrome, right? And that's kind of what we set up, as I'm saying, about the Challenger brand. We saw the big global consulting companies owning the space. And we're saying, no, no, South African companies need to own the space. You know, we want corporate South Africa to believe in homegrown companies and they don't need to buy from organizations which are based elsewhere, who may have a, a, a regional branch or a regional an entity in South Africa. Are they really rooted in South Africa for the future? So we wanted to start that trend to say, buy South Africa, buy us, because obviously we're an emerging country. You know, in terms of political change, we've got a lot of unskilled people that need to be skilled. We need to alter our education systems. We need to be able to make sure South Africa employment is for all South Africans. And so that was the kind of double uh, double strategic focus was a fresh a fresh approach to how you do business and consulting in South Africa. And secondly, to make a difference as part of what we were doing to give back into society and particularly in, in education. So, so Madiba, that's kind of, you asked the question about a boutique for, firm. So I would say, no, no, not at all. <laughs> this is, this is, this is, this is, this is a big deal. You know, this is about really um, taking on Goliath and having the, the tenacity and the, in, the intentionality to, to, to provide a, a homegrown uh, South African business um, with both business and technology capability. Now, one of the things that uh, I've uh, I've known and appreciated about uh, BSG from you know what I know about them, um, as I've you know previously stated, I, I've always known about BSG because I went to Rhodes and at uh, Rhodes where I studied information systems. Um, BSG, you know, was one of the big uh, what do you call this. Uh, uh, can I call them contributor sponsors yeah. uh, for the information systems uh, department at Rhodes? Um, you know, they had, you know, even, you know, a number of the facilities, labs, etc. You'd get into the Hamilton building and you'd know you'd, you'd have them there and you'd have uh, certain, uh, what do you call this, um, certain of your staff would come, you know, uh, you know talk to us. I think even uh, I specifically remember things like project management. Um, having one or two guest guest lecturers, you know, on that, um, you know, on that front. Um, when it comes to that, at what point? Because I wanna, uh, I'm gonna come back to the corporate side, but is the I wanna attack the skill side first, the people. At what point did you decide that you wanted to influence curriculums? <laughs> because. Uh, when I sit and I think about it, that's what's actually happening, right? Because most of the time, you know, educational institutions are trying to, you know, um, skill people for a workforce, right? But sometimes there's a bit of a delta between, you know, what the what is actually needed in industry versus what's being taught in school. So, was this a realization? Was there an aha moment? Or is this something that just, like, how did, you know, things like that go? I speak from a Rhodes point of view, but I know that you guys support um, one or two, you know, um, other places. I think I've heard Tux, if I remember correctly, or, or maybe I'm wrong. But uh, once again, I, I stand for correction. But, you know, just that question around, at what point did you decide that you wanted to get involved in that piece of the skills pie? Well, you know, you've really hit hit it on the head here, Madeira. This this particular epiphany moment is basically what has made us successful. And let me go back to the absolute aha moments, as you say, when when this all just collided. You know, the concept of 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 luck, timing, and hard work, right, is what is what makes things successful. And we certainly had a luck in in all of this. And 
And so back in 1997, when we didn't have any employees, I was it, right? Um, you know, the first person into the business. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and crazily enough, we already had some of the big consulting companies wanting to buy into us. I mean, it was just me, but they kind of just saw this business coming from some with some UK backing, et cetera, and said, oh, we want to have some of that. It sounds really cool. But anyway, the through that process, uh, given that I was really um, razor sharp in terms of what we were going to do, we needed people to help. And so um, I got a CV um, from from one of the one of the guys I knew in Cape Town who was working for one of the the large um, uh, companies, large IT companies uh, in South Africa. And he said, "Look, we can't employ this lady. I don't have a mandate, but you might want to have a look at it." All right. And this lady's name was Lynn. I'll just stop there. But she she had an IS degree from UCT. So I thought, oh, this looks interesting. Uh, so we kind of had a chat and we said, okay, well, you know, you know, let's get going. And she became our first consultant. And when we we were doing some work for one of the largest insurers, and, and you talk about punching above your weight, right? Our very first customer was was what probably the largest in, insurer in 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 South Africa at the time, based in Cape Town, and. When I observed her working and the feedback, I thought, no ways. Lynn is able to think business and technology with one brain. That's amazing. She can talk to business people and then she can turn around in the next meeting and talk to IT people. And she just understood where each of them were coming from. And I thought, this is really special. So I thought, okay. And I went to go and speak to the the IS departments at UCT. And I said, hello. You know, this is me. Um, you know, we have one of your students and she's fantastic. Um, and have you got any more? <laughs> and, 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 they, and, they, and, they, and they said, um, well, actually, now's not the right time. But there is a guy who's a, a master's student um, who's been overseas for a couple of years and he's now coming back. His name is Gary. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll let Gary know. And then Gary got in touch and we met with Gary and it was just like the same thing. It was just amazing. So so we had to convince Gary to join us because he had offers from all the big uh, global consulting companies. And anyway, we managed to convince Gary to join us. And believe it or not, Gary's still with us 25 years later. Wow. Um, and he's our head of strategy um, uh, for the business uh, and, and one of our executive members. But Gary joined us and I thought, no ways. This is, this is another tick in the box. And so to cut a long story short, Madeira, through that process, we built our business off the back of a graduate recruitment program where we went to all the universities and looked for the best talent coming out of the information systems honors. And it was just incredible. The, 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 the talent that we were able to get was just, was just incredible. And so that then led to us thinking about, okay, so what's our offering? We've got these people that are able to think business and technology with the same brain. What's missing? And so we thought, you know what's missing when we spoke to people is nobody's doing good analysis work. You know, the work that's been done at the university in terms of their curricula, which is kind of principles of a requirement solicitation, you know, even though it was, you know, it wasn't where it is today, we realized that these talents were, were enabling us to go and offer a very fresh service uh, to, to clients. So off the back of being independent of technology, we went in and used language, very simple language, like we want to sit in your side of the negotiating table, as I've shared. Uh, you know, we want to get into the detail, understand your current context. Let's look at your future context. And so what ended up happening was, is we started to build a, a mechanism or, or almost like a life cycle of how to actually do delivery work. And we defined that for ourselves. Now, I say that because it's coming back to the universities, right? So through the process of, of seeing the, the value and a complete gap in the market for this type of service, which is effectively a business analyst, right? We created in South Africa the role of the business analyst. And I, tru- wow. and I truly believe that. And I'll tell you why I say that. But then coming back to, to the universities, once we realized how, what talents a, an IS uh, graduate had and how we could use that to really create great value for our clients, we thought, you know what, this is a two-way street, right? We can't just go and take the talent from the varsities. We have to give back because that's how life works. And, and so what we said is we want to be part of helping you to continuously build your curricula because we can learn in industry 
and we can come back and share that wisdom with you in academia. So you then gear your students to be the, the best they can be and the most marketable that they can be so that they can find jobs. And, and so what happened is, is that, you know, there were certainly the infancy of, of advisory boards. And so what we got um, was involved in the advisory boards of the universities. We started with Rhodes then you, and then UCT. And then that's, that's progressed to, to Tuckies, uh, to, um, to Wits, uh, to, uh, and to uh, Johannesburg, et cetera. So we now and have for many, many, many years been part of advisory boards, both in information systems and computer science, because obviously software engineering is another very, very important, um, skill for us in terms of being able to offer the services that we do and obviously additional skills over time. So that's that's how it all happened. And our aha moment has led to what has been, you know, an amazing journey, uh, you know, both for, I think, ourselves, for clients, for the universities. It's been such a collaborative, mutually beneficial process. And and the reason why I say about establishing the, the really true business analyst in, in the South African market is because as we started doing our work, our clients, one of them being one of the very large banks, um, and and, the, and another being um, one of the one of the key areas in on the kind of public services side said said to us, um, look, we have seen the value of these BAs, right? Uh, please, will you help set up business analysis center of excellences for us? Because we need to be able to build the skill internally. So almost right at the get go from the early part of the century, we were helping organizations to be able to build this capability internally. And I think you asked the question, how have we been able to punch above our weight and how have we been able to to have clients who have been clients for so long is that our motto has been very different to we we see other service companies, particularly the global consulting side, is that we want to help our clients grow their talent. We don't want to come in and take over to to make people in businesses feel that they need to be uh less than in some way, uh, we want to be able to make make them feel comfortable that with us coming in, this is a collaborative effort. We're going to do this together. We're going to learn from one another. We're going to grow. We're going to help grow your people. And we're also going to learn about your business and also grow too. So that's been the approach that we've taken ever since we started. Hence why I, I believe our clients are really, really loyal to us uh, because nobody sees us as a threat. So I hope that's answered your so, question about the aha moments and, and, and the whole story around information systems. Yeah, it, it certainly has. And it's making, you know, so many things, uh, I, I guess, clearer. You know, when they say hindsight is twenty twenty, uh, I feel like I've added an, another layer of vision on top of that. Because, like I said, coming from that uh, IS background, right, you sort of were geared towards, you know, business analysis. And, you know, a number of my classmates, you know, from that time have gone on to be, um, you know, business analysts in a number of firms across South Africa. Uh, and you don't realize it. It's only when you look back and then someone says, actually, you know, back in 1997, this role that you, you know, you're learning about and, you know, the type of work that's being done here didn't really exist in the way that, you know, you know it today. And... I'm very tempted, you know, very quickly to just ask if you could briefly then tell us what were people doing before that? Because it makes perfect sense to have, you know, these people that uh, are able to talk to uh, the what you call this. I always describe business analysts like uh, like architects in a way, right? Uh, because you must be able to to go to the client and understand what it is that they want, you know. Uh, the homo the future homeowner has has a dream in their head of what it is that they want, but you need to also be able to speak the language of a contractor, you know, and the and the, you know and the builders and all of that stuff. So uh, that ability to speak, you know, on 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 both sides, uh, it makes sense intuitively. But now it's like, okay, so what were people doing before that? Because it makes sense that you'd have you'd have something like this there. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a really great question because it leads into a very important part of 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 kind of the fundamentals of of what we've done and what we believed in, 
You know, human beings are really strange creatures, right? We are so limbically driven. Uh, and, and what happens is, is we really struggle in many respects to be as collaborative as we should be. And so what happens is, and what we found in businesses were silos. Uh, and, and what we set about uh, as best as we could was to be able to break down those silos. And the biggest silo that we found that existed in businesses was between the business operators, the business people, and and the people in IT. And what we realized early on, because of our understanding of of, of the gap and the, the inability in a way just for those areas to have great conversation with one another, to understand one another, I guess, the empathy about what each of their challenges were, we, we just set about helping them to communicate. Uh, so using business business analysis techniques and the people who could talk to both those different ecosystems, we were able to collapse the silo between business and IT. What we were very careful was is that we we needed to approach the business in the right way. And, and so we realized early on that we really needed to forge strong relationships with people in business because IT were very wary of us initially. And also remember IT were very used to simply buying product you know, and so what happened before Madiwa is that companies wasted a lot of money. You know, there might have been a terminology of, okay, this is a person who's a BA or 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 will come and do some analysis, but they but they were kind of IT people in a way. They were people who maybe understood the products a little bit, you know, more technology. There was it didn't exist. And so I don't know what happened. People were just probably wasting money, you know, and projects were failing because the the work to understand what the real issues were right up front in the detail, you know, wasn't being done. And so there were phrases we used at the time, like there's no magic in magic, the magic's in the detail. It's a phrase by Walt Disney. You know, it's it's just such a poignant term because that's exactly it. You have to get under the iceberg. And so we just helped, started to help companies to progress. And, and I remember the very first business analysis business analysis within one of the big banking groups. I remember, still remember his name because they were so proud that this is their first person and we were helping him to grow. So very quickly, both business and IT saw us as really good advocates for both of them. And we were able to to do some amazing work uh, back in the first few years of, of when we started uh, in able to help get them to really leverage the investments that that they were making. I mean, I just remember with one of the one of the big asset managers today was struggling to implement uh, Siebel technology. I don't know if at the time there were all these technologies around customer relationship management and was starting to become very prevalent before we got into the whole ERP world. And and I asked her at one point, I said, what made you decide to stop what you were doing and to bet us to help you with this? I'm really interested because you've now become really supportive. And and she said to me, there was one thing you said. And I said, I'd love to know what it is. And she said, you said to me that you need to stop allowing technology getting in the way. And I sat back and I thought, wow, that's really, really, really interesting. I hadn't I hadn't consciously like thought about saying that, but that's what was happening. I'm saying the, you are where you are because you're allowing technology to get in the way. Put it to one side and let's look at your business and first understand what it is you're trying to achieve. Then we can choose the technology or maybe you've already got it. So we don't need to go and buy anything more. We'll just use what you've got because now we know what your requirements are and we can match them up. So I know it's a I've shared quite a bit about your question, but I wanted to unpack that because there was so much underneath that question about what was happening before. Probably not as much, not nearly as much as there should be, is 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 the answer um, after what I've I've just um, given you as context. I'd say I'd say we're in a much better place now, at least. <laughs> you know, to say that uh, at least things have progressed and evolved. You Absolutely. know, to that point where. Um, you know, the role of a business analyst is something that's now cemented and it's something that's now standard practice, exactly. um, you know, and all that. Yeah, so really great from that point of view. Before I let uh, the, 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 the topic of people go completely, um, because we do want to talk about, you know, your journey with some of the corporates and some of the clients, um, on talent, right? Yeah. It's one thing to create the pipeline for the talent, 
Um, it's one thing to create, uh, I guess, the culture. It's one thing to, you know, influence an entire, you know, uh, space, um, you know, called business analysis. But when it comes to retaining the talent, that's, you know, quite another, you know, quite another conversation. Um, we had the head of, uh, you know, Cisco's, uh, you know, people unit uh, on this yeah. platform a couple of months ago and she was saying that globally it's been you know quite quite interesting uh trying to retain talent and uh the other story we ha um i had recently i had an interaction with the ceo of one of the large uh, technology companies and he was saying in my world uh my biggest issue is keeping talent um, he was talking at the time about data science and he related to me and he said, in my world, I'll yeah. maybe pay, uh, 30, 40,000, you know, for, a, for, a, for, a, for a data scientist. And that's me pushing it. There was a guy I really liked. We pushed it to 40 and I was enjoying it. Unfortunately, one of the banks came, they offered him 80, 90, and he obviously left. I could not keep this guy. And then he mm. was like, um, on top of all that, you have the likes of Amazon that are coming into this country and they are paying, uh, what do you call this? They are paying 30 to 40% above what the banks, you know, are paying, you know, for the same talent. Um, and I thought that story, you know, that he was relating to me was indicative of what's going in the market. So I'm uh, keen to get your thoughts around uh, actually retaining talent in the market. Yeah, look, it's... Uh it's a it's a really it's a really important topic in many respects i mean i can say to you that you know we're not any different to many businesses it's it's really difficult at the moment uh, we we obviously have really good insight because of the fact that we've been involved in advisory boards at a tertiary level for many 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 years we can see the trends that have been taking place and we have and, and what we have seen is obviously there are there are fewer people coming into into the universities. Uh, the, uh, the the level of people who are getting STEM based degrees is less than one percent of people who start school uh, and then finish university. We we have a real real problem in South Africa when it comes to education, which is why we have focused all of our give back into into helping that particular sector because it's absolutely fundamental for us. You know, we believe that every every child in in South Africa deserves the birthright of a really great education, and and so hence hence our focus. So it's really tough. Uh, so we don't just have the pipeline um, dwindling, and and the quality of 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 the learning, um, you know, also sadly not progressing. If anything, diminishing. We then also have a situation where people in South Africa are also leaving. You know, so it's not just about keeping talent amongst ourselves, uh, you know, within within South Africa. We are faced with people wanting to go naturally and explore outside and then people very fearful of the future. Yeah, and, and, and so with all of this stacked up, it's really, really a difficult time. Having said that, though, we have to remain strong and have the fortitude to persevere. Uh, and we will and we use all of the foundational work that we've done around people at BSG. So having said all of that, the reason why I believe that we were able to remain in business and grow and attract talent is because BSG is a people first business. Uh, we have always, uh, for as far as I can remember, really made, wanted to make sure that we can provide a place where people can really unlock their, their 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 contribution and accelerate their careers and and so what we've done is to make sure that focusing on money comes last uh, because I'm an engineer at heart and a lot of the and, and in fact Mteto is an engineer at heart and a lot of the people in BSG um, with the backgrounds that they have we think in systems uh, you know and I don't mean technology systems I'm think I'm talking about systems that everything is interconnected uh, which is why we're able to think about collapsing silos, uh, you know. And and so what we've done is to understand that if we invest in our people and make sure that they are growing and engaged, growing and engaged people tend to do great work in client environments. Uh, and what that leads to is satisfied clients. The more you satisfy your clients, 
they then become loyal clients. And I, and we're really proud of the fact that, you know, the clients that we have today have been clients for many, many, many years. Uh, once you have loyal clients, they're really going to bat for you. And then in that, in, in when that's the case, um, you end up with good financial results. But then you need to feed those financial results back into the system. So it's almost like a control of inputs and outputs. You know, you take your output and you feed it back into your in- input. And so what we're able to do is to really take care of our people because we think about them first and then the, the, the money then takes care of itself. And then we keep on feeding it back into the system. How we do this is to be very intentional and well-structured about growth. And so we spend a lot of our time making sure that we, uh, you know, in, make sure that individuals take care of their own careers. So we talk about an, an inside-out view I, nobody's going to um, be successful for you. You're the person who has to be successful for yourself, but we will support you in your journey. And and I think through that process of real intentionality um, and, and wisdom into how to grow people uh, is how we've been able to really get the best of the best, keep them probably better than most organizations. And I'm not saying that we keep everybody. Um, the reality is that there's so many external forces at play. But we really have done really, really well over the last 25 years when it comes comes to talent. And I think, Madiwa, the last thing I want to say about this is you need to be driven by a purpose. The way human beings relate to things is about wanting to be part of why an organization exists, not what it does or how it does things, but why it does things. And so what our aim is, is not to attract all the best talent. In the market, we want to attract the talent that believes in what we believe in, because once you connect it with something from a feeling perspective, that makes it much easier to hold on to talent. So, you know, the goal is not to employ everybody who has the skills that we need. The goal for us is to employ the people who believe in what we believe in. And that, I think, has been a great recipe uh, for, for us being able to, to retain talent. And, and, you know, while we're talking, because this will go out, obviously, you know, onto the airways, I just wanted to say that every single person who's been a BSGer uh, and many who are no longer BSGers have all contributed to the company that we have today. And I'd really wanted to say thank you, you know, to all of them for whatever contribution they made, be it for many, many years and in some cases, you know, not such a not such a long period of time. Mm. Now let's uh, let's see how that goes. But uh, really great to get that insight. Uh, like we said, it's it's uh, it's it's tough out there in terms of you know retaining talent. Um, so if you've been able to at least you know crack part of the equation, uh, that's uh, that's definitely what you call this. That's definitely a good thing. And also the feedback loop that you were describing just now, it makes perfect sense because if you take care of your people, your people take care of the clients. You know that takes care of the bottom line and then you know you swing all of that uh back around you know you get that mutually beneficial win-win uh type of situation through uh the ecosystem that you've created uh and if you can and if taking care of your people is there you know then i guess uh it's certainly a good way of doing business now shifting over you know in the last piece of uh, the discussion is the client side of things we've done the history we've done um you know we've spoken quite a bit about the people that make up uh, bsg the talent pool but um clients um and two things you know come up uh, on my side firstly is how did you get you know those first sort of blue chip clients because you mentioned just now that as a as a firm, if you guys do your work well, then your clients are going to go out into the market and evangelize on your behalf, right? Uh, but before they evangelize, they must see the success. But before they see the success, they must give you a chance, right? So how did you get them to give you? Uh, you know, that uh, particular chance in the beginning. And uh, what is it about, you know, health care um, and financial services uh, that's, you know, become, you know, uh, your forte as BSG? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Madhu. I'd love to talk about that. I think the reason that we got a chance was because of some of the things I shared earlier, which is a really fresh approach 
you know, that we took. The fact that we we got some really good wins in helping them to implement projects on time and often under budget. Uh, we They were successful because we took the time to understand what the real problems and issues were. And, and, and off the back of that, we introduced, which is very fresh, the concept of doing good and, and analytical work, you know, process process analysis what's what's going to be the future way of working and then the technology that they were going to use was the right technology so things just were successful the business guys were delighted because the money that they were investing in change and being able to work you know more effectively was happening and the IT folk were delighted too because now they were the glory guys and girls you know they they they, they helped make this successful so we just made sure everybody was winning. Uh, and and so off the back of that, we then realized we can't just stay doing a bit of software development work and business analysis because w- when we handed it over, inevitably we thought, oh, no, don't mess this up. We've set it up for success. So please don't not implement it well. And so we quickly realized we needed to build the ability to program manage, program direct, uh, project manage um, uh, initiatives. And so we could then own end to end from from what strategically a client was wanting to do to to the implementation. And so very quickly, we were offering a service, which is we are going to come and, and discuss with you what is stopping you from implementing your strategy. Uh, and, and so I think Amteto touched on this was about the fact that a lot of organizations have, have have grand plans and they strategically understand what it is they need to do, but they really struggle on how to do it. And because of the and because of the the kind of decades now of 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 competency that we've built for creating simplicity out of complexity, for 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 just being able to see through all of the ether of what the things is that we need to do, we've got this unconscious competence of being able to just really solve problems and get things done. Uh, and so by having all of these skills as part of as, as part of our kind of uh, capability, we just continued building success on success. And so clients just continued to get us to work for them. And now we end up working with them on some of their biggest and most important strategic programs, you know, which are helping them to realize their strategy. And and that's really what what the answer's been. And and so it's gone from just being really great at software engineering and business analysis to having an excellent competency in 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 managing uh, the implementation to now really having the presence of mind, which we did 10 years ago, is to understand that process is not the leader now anymore. Data is the leader. You know, so this whole thing around data engineering and data analysis and data science, we were really onto this 10 to 12 years ago, um, where we understood that insights in in data were what was going to lead the change. And so we really started organizing ourselves to be part of what was going to come. And and so the offerings that we have to clients now is let's be insight led. Let's understand what your customers are needing from you, not wanting, but needing from you. And let's shape the execution of your strategy in order to talk to that, because clearly silos need to go, right? Remember, we spoke about silos in the beginning. So that combination of thinking um, has allowed us to to continuously work on the top programs that the large blue chip clients have in South Africa. Now, what's really exciting is that with Mteto, uh, we're able to really accelerate this because we want to move out of just financial services and healthcare. And to answer your question, why? Well, I guess that's where we started, <laughs> and and we were so busy that we didn't have time, you know, to to think about anything else. Um, and 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 clearly, we never want to be in a situation where we where we overpromise and underdeliver. So now with Mteto, we really are looking forward to accelerated growth. We've got to obviously address the challenge of of making sure we have people because of the challenge of 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 finding people, but also very importantly of keeping people. And then, yeah, we want to be in a position to look outside of those those particular industry sectors. So personally, with you, I am so excited about the future of this company, and and I feel so blessed with everything that's happened, and and really privileged uh, to be part of of being the difference, uh, you know, as a locally home 
you know, business and technology consulting business and, and helping to change the, the future course of South Africa in all respects. Uh, perhaps that's a good place for us to end off today's discussion, uh, you know, because we've gone on the journey, you know, we now understand where the companies come from, uh, the types of competencies, you know, uh, that you guys were able to develop over time, uh, the clients that you guys started with and ended up becoming the speciality, uh, the talent pipeline that you've been able to produce along the way, the culture, and now, um, you know, the 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 the, the the job of actually now scaling uh, the business uh, beyond what it is right now, whilst you know uh, retaining the essence of what BSG is, um, you know, it's going to be a great journey to watch um, going forward. And I think the last thing we are going to get from you, you know, now that we've arrived at this point, is to get a sense of as the person who started, you know, all of this, um, you know, all those many years ago. What does it could you talk to us about what it has been like, um, your shift in role, you know, because now you have um, Teto's come in as uh, executive chair, taking over from yourself. Talk to us, you know, how, how, how is it, you know, is your, do you have more time on your hands, less time on your hands? Do you find yourself doing more, you know, at, at BSG, less at BSG because, you know, uh, you, you said at the beginning that I'm the guy, you know, who's, who's causing all the trouble in the background. So, <laughs> yeah, just talk to us just around what that change in role has done for you. Yeah. No, thank you, Madeira, for that. I think it's important. I've actually had a lot of people contact me, you know, who uh, who were at BSG and say, oh, wow, congratulations on your retirement and and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Can we come to the party, et cetera? So I just wanted to just say that no ways. I, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, this is such an exciting thing. Um, you know, what what we all do in life is is hopefully we – we learn and grow. We every day is a learning opportunity, and and I must I must be quite open when I say I should have stepped down as the CEO long before I did actually, because I think uh, you know BSG probably would be possibly even larger than it is right now, because uh, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and and entrepreneurs and founders of businesses can sometimes detract from 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 the growth of a business. So I'm 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 very um, very happy and settled in the fact that I understand um, where I can add value and understand where value can be added by somebody who has better skills than I do. So I'm really delighted with this and and of, of what's happened. Uh, my, my I'm so comfortable uh, with Mteta taking over as exec chair. I think he's going to be absolutely fabulous, and I think in many ways is a far better exec chair than I am. I think his leadership skills are tremendous, particularly around people. Uh, and I think the people at BSG are exceptionally lucky uh, to be able to have access to him. For me, uh, yeah, I'm 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 as heavily invested in the future of business as ever. In fact, probably more so because I think I can provide my talents uh, in in the way in an entrepreneurial way, which is what got us uh, you know off the hill in the beginning. And so I'm going to be working uh, very closely with Mteta, the two of us you know, together to kind of shaping the, the, the three to five year game plan for BSG, obviously involving our leadership in BSG appropriately along the way. So we've got some very exciting things uh, that 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 we that we want to do. And so that's going to be, you know, where I'm going to be involved, which is really the future strategic uh, thinking and direction uh, of BSG. And, and given I think I've had an ability to look down the road and see the future, I can see some of the very uh, important things that I think we need to do to help scale our business and make it even more robust than it is. And of course, some of the things we really want to do, Madiwa, and, and it's a good place to end off, is we want to do even more for education in South Africa. Our absolute commitment uh, to doing something to address the poverty in our country through making sure that education can set our people free. And that brings us to the end of, uh, you know, what has been a very fascinating uh, discussion with uh, Greg Race, uh, who is the founder of BSG. I think the big message that comes out, you know, from a conversation like this, um, whether, whether you pinpoint, you know, or drill down on themes around uh, 
retaining talent on uh, skills pipelines um, on curriculums you know on building a culture punching above your weight building competencies within certain industries keeping um, certain relation uh, keeping relationships with staff keeping relationships with clients um, one of the overarching themes that one could draw a line to is uh, you know the importance of uh, taking care of your people and especially against the backdrop of what's been going on over the last two years globally um, when you see the you know trends like uh, the great resignation um, it's always great to see organizations that are you know doing the work to retain uh, that talent but more than anything else um, it also shows the fact that in a practical in a very very practical sense um, if you take care um, of people from that point of view you you literally are helping to drive your business outcome in a big way, both internally and for your clients. Um, so I would say that's uh, likely uh, the big message, um, you know, that comes out uh, from a conversation like this. And then, you know, for me, you know, just as someone who comes from the information uh, information systems world, um, the fact that uh, that ability uh, to talk to both business people and uh, technologists, you know, I, I guess you, you sort of, it's one of those things you take for granted granted sometimes when you're inside your little echo chamber uh, but always great to get context uh, just around how uh, the field has developed over time so that's it greg thank you so much for being with us today pleasure and it's really great to have connected with you again uh, you know wonderful to see how you've done so fantastically well in your own career and yeah you know it's uh, it's a it's been a pleasure and a privilege and i and thank you so much for the time And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.